risen. Amen. Sing the first verse with us and make a proclamation. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Sons of men and angels sing. Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs Well, good morning and welcome to our Resurrection Sunday celebration. We are so glad that you're with us. For those of you joining us online, we are glad that you're with us too. You can continue to stand as I go through our scripture this morning. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. The stone which the builders have rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Let me pray for our service this morning. God, we thank you for this day of rejoicing. We thank you for what you have done for bringing salvation to us. Lord, we thank you that we can celebrate together, that we can proclaim the good news of your coming, of your death, and of your resurrection, that it is finished. God, and we praise you for that. As we declare this together, let's continue to stand and recite what it is that we believe. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's worship.
Would you join me in prayer this morning? Jesus, we look to you today, a resurrected King. Those are the most precious and important and powerful words. You are our resurrected King. Every promise is fulfilled in your death and resurrection. In you we have life, in you we have purpose. In you, we have joy. Lord, some of us are here gripping so tightly to our old life, our old self, our past regrets, our sins, our habits, our fears, our addictions. But it was for freedom that you came and set us free. Those are nailed to the cross, and now we have the power that raised you from the dead available to us. In you, we come alive. We find purpose, we find breath, and we find hope. God, I pray for those that are here today and joining us online that need that breath in their dry bones. For those that need life in their families. For those that need hope in their life. And that for those that need to know they have a purpose. Lord, I pray that they would know that they have access to all of that in you. I thank you that you are a king like no other. We lose our life to find it. We serve to be great. We forgive because you've forgiven us for everything. We humble ourselves so you can lift us up. We love those who hate. And we give everything to follow a king who gave up everything for us. So this morning, God, we are in our Sunday best. We all try to look like we have it all together. But we don't need to give you a show or perfection. We just need to give you our hearts. So we come here with one purpose, and that is to lift you high, to exalt your name this morning, and to shout from the rooftops, you are our resurrected king. And we magnify and praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you have um, a prayer request, 
There are papers in the seat pocket in front of you, um, little prayer forms. We do truly pray over those, so feel free to fill one of those out, and you could put it back in the offering boxes in the back. We would love to pray for you. You can also find me or Jason or one of our leaders who would also love to pray for you. So take a moment and say hi and greet one another and find somebody that you don't know. Well, hello again. If you haven't been greeted so far, allow me be, to be the first one to greet you. Happy Easter. We are very glad that you are here. I'm going to take us through just a few announcements this morning. Our first one, we're going to transport you to summer and then to outer space. It is VBS coming up in July, July 10th through the 14th. We are, oh, you can hear it. It feels like you're in Space Mountain. <laughs> um, we are we are going to outer space this summer. If you've got a kids packet this morning, there is a QR code inside of that. You can just scan that and register. Um, whether you'd like to come as a child, preschool through sixth grade, or would like to be a teen or adult volunteer, we would love to have you. If you need any more information about that, you can see me. But don't let today go by before you sign up for VBS. Um, We would love to have you there. We're going to have a lot of fun. So being we transported you to summer, we're going to take you back for a minute. If you are brand new with us, we are so glad that you are here. Um, I hope someone invited you. If you're sitting next to someone new, I hope you can say hello to them. But if you would like to scan the QR code in your bulletin or fill out one of those papers that Joy had mentioned, just letting us know that you're here, who you are. Um, Pastor Jason would love to get in contact with you to say hello, um, to just check in with you and um, make sure you make a connection. So if you're new, we would love to meet you. Also, you may have noticed that we have lots of flowers here this morning. Uh, we have lots of lilies in the sanctuary. They are for you. So please do not leave without taking one for you or your family. There are plenty. Um, so please don't be shy. You can come up right at the end of service and grab one. Also, some of us met this morning for breakfast before service. But guess what? There are lots of bagels and fruits still out in the cafe. So please feel free. You don't need to leave directly after service. You can enjoy some more breakfast um, after service because there is plenty. Um, and finally, we would just like to thank Those of you who are such good supporters of our ministries here and of our outreach here, first of all, um, these are our core values. Um, This is what we strive to do here at FDC, but a big thank you to everyone who came yesterday and made our grounds look beautiful um, as we start here. Yes, so thank you for all the people who worked hard on that. Um, And as we think about preparing this place to be a place that's welcoming, we also think about reaching out. 
And those of you who have supported the food pantry, the vault in town, um, those are some of our outreach ministries. And if you take a moment today, you can see we have a new um, mission wall. We got all new pictures updated of our missionaries. Um, so I would direct you to that way. If you've never seen our missionary wall, those are all missionaries that our church supports. They're not just random people from around the world. Um, and they're brand new pictures. So that's actually what they look like in 2023 or approximately <laughs> now. Um, so thank you for those of you who give to this ministry, who support so regularly. Those are ways that you can give. You can give here in person. You can um, text us and give online. But please, if you are a visitor here with us, you never need to feel like we are pressuring you in that way. We are here to serve you. We thank you um, for being here, for joining us on this Easter Sunday morning. Um, So on that note, let's stand again together as we continue to worship. This week I read an article called, Why is Good Friday Good? When you think about what happened there, sometimes that question will come into your mind. It's uh, difficult to call the, the death of our Savior a good thing. Yet, the little nugget that I drew from that was, during Advent, we focus on God with us. And during this time of year, we should be focused on God is for us. He is for you. Good Friday is good because God is for you. Good Friday is good because without it, we don't have Sunday. So I'm going to encourage you to lift him up because he tells us if we lift him up, he will draw all men unto him. We want to be drawn to him. So lift him up.
celebrate your goodness, your love for us, your power, and your exaltation. But God, I pray that as we celebrate you, that we would have a tangible sense of your presence in our lives and the peace that comes with it. God, that this would be about your presence and the gift that you give to us. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Easter. Thank you so much for being here. If we haven't met, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at Faith Discovery Church. Thank you for joining us on Resurrection Sunday. It is a tremendous honor to us that you've chosen to be here today. Also want to say hello and welcome and uh, to all of, the, all of you joining us online. It's great to have you with us. You are part of our family and so thanks for tuning in this morning. This morning here at FTC, and we join with churches around and people groups all over the world to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It is, at least in my opinion, the single most important event in human history. It's the day that Jesus defeated death and that the hope of abundant life, the, the, the thing that Jesus talks about in John 10.10, life to the fullest, became possible for every person. Easter is a day of celebration. I'm a little pumped today, as you can tell. 
I'm, I'm ready. I'm raring to go. I'm ready. Today is a day of celebration. Uh, people will celebrate all over the world in different ways. Families will get together for church and, and then brunch and, or lunch or uh, dinner or some combination of all of them. More people will attend church today than any other day this year. Uh, kids will search for eggs with the hopes of finding uh, money. Really, that's what their number one goal is to find inside the eggs. They'll search for baskets to find baskets full of chocolate. It's a it's a day of celebration. People, you probably will have a conversation today with someone about the weather and the hope of warmth that spring brings. Easter is a day of celebration. And so it's with that celebratory mindset that we as a church today, for the next few minutes, are going to look to discover the heart and the message of Jesus by examining a story that he told. If you haven't been with us recently, we've been through Lent this year. We've talked about uh, stories that Jesus, short stories that Jesus told uh, called parables. Last year, uh, some of you have... Uh, haven't been with us in a while. So you'll remember last year, through Lent and then culminating on Easter, we explored the truth about Jesus by exploring the Gospel of John and statements that had been made about him. This year, we've explored his short stories. And the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are loaded with these short stories called parables. Jesus told them all the time. He loved to, to tell these, these expanded analogies to, to drive home a point or to help convince someone or to turn someone, uh, people's thinking into a different way. He, he told them to help people look at a new way of life, to see the world in a, a new way of thinking. And maybe, just maybe, in their hearts it would stimulate a response to God. Because biblical parables tell us about who God is and how God acts. They also show us a bit about humanity, how we are. And it presents a possibility of the humanity we could live into. And so today we'll look at maybe one of Jesus' most famous stories. We said last week there were two really famous ones that he told. There's the parable of the Good Samaritan, and then there's the parable of the Lost Sons. You may know it by a different name. It's called the, the story of the prodigal son. And so uh, today we're going to look at that one. It's, it's found in Luke chapter 15. It's actually the third story in Luke chapter 15 that Luke accounts of Jesus telling stories of things that had been lost. And Jesus tells these stories in response. He had been getting some criticism from a group of people called the Pharisees. And the main crux of their criticism was they didn't like the people he hung out with. Jesus tended to hang out with sinners and lower people on the the spiritual spectrum in Israel and the more uh, pious or the more holy group of people like the Pharisees found problems with that. And so we're going to read from Luke 15 today. We'll start at the beginning, and then we'll move to verse 11. But starting in verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. That's a problem for the Pharisees. And two groups of people that Luke lists there that are not considered people you should be hanging out with. Tax collectors, which, if we're honest, none of us like to this day. That's okay, you could laugh. Church, this should be fun. This is silly. 
Tax collectors and sinners. Two people who were not the most popular groups in society. It says in verse 2, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Doesn't he know how to do to be a good person? To be a good person is to hang out with other people. That's what they're saying. And so in response to this, in response to this criticism, this is a story that Jesus tells. It starts in verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him into the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his, to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring to put on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is now alive. He was lost and he's now found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was out in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father killed the fattened calf uh, because, he was, because he has him home safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. He answered, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving away from you, for you, and I've never disobeyed even once your orders. Yet you've never even given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered all your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad. Because your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The story of the compassionate father and his two sons. That's probably the best name we could really actually call it. It's too long to be trendy. It's too many figures to have a hashtag. But it's really the story of the compassionate father and his two sons. It's the longest of Jesus' parables. It's the one that he has the most discourse about. It's been called the gospel within the gospel. I saw this week as I was studying some commentary, uh, some theologians called it the most beautiful short story that's ever been told. And since the beginning of the series, way back at the beginning of Lent, all the way back in February, feels like forever ago. 
I've said that we've been studying these parables because they were the mechanism that Jesus used to teach people about the kingdom of God. Jesus was passionate about helping people realize the kingdom of God and its truths. Repeatedly we've seen through his teachings about the kingdom of God that in the kingdom of God, one finds life by losing it. One exhibits the character of our king by choosing all others over oneself. That's certainly true in today's story. We also see throughout the teachings of Jesus in his parables, two main themes of his message. Celebration and compassion. Jesus' message and his mission created a context in which joy and celebration should rule. This isn't what actually happened in in first century Palestine, in Judea, in, in that first century when Jesus arrived. But was what Jesus was actually saying in effect was, because of what I'm doing, not me, Jesus, because of what he was doing, reestablishing the bond between the creator and the created ones, making it possible for those of us who were created to be image bearers of God, to be in right relationship with the God who created us. Jesus is saying, because that's what's happening, people should be dancing in the streets. This is something to celebrate. The lost were being found, and it was necessary to celebrate their return. When we find something that's lost, it's time to celebrate. Years and years ago, Joy and I were just dating, and... Uh, we were, we both happened to be in a wedding, some friends of ours. And I was, I was the best man and Joy was a, a bridesmaid in the wedding. And, uh, I don't have any clue what the bridesmaids got after, as their gifts for this wedding. But groomsmen, we all got sunglasses. Nice, oakly sunglasses. And I have a, I have a particular issue with sunglasses. All, all glasses in the fact. In that, I have a really fat head. I have a fat head. And so it's really hard for me to find glasses that fit my head without that line that form. Most of you don't even know this. This happens to people. But those of you who with big heads, you know, you get that line that forms on the side of your head. It's really a problem. And so I, so see, glasses are a problem, even with microphones. And so I got a pair of glasses uh, I was poor, I was in college, and I, the, the sunglasses were really nice. They were, they were a set of Oakleys, and they fit my head perfectly. No line. And so we got these glasses, the wedding happens, and later in the summer we went down the shore. Joy's family uh, typically in those days would rent a house down on Long Beach Island, and we would go for a week. And we were out in the bay, and I was on a tube or something, and my glasses fell in the bay. This is a problem for me, at least. And so we spent the next three hours diving down to the bottom of the bay. We had rakes trying to feel the bottom. We were doing everything we could do to find these glasses, and we found them. And it was awesome. It was great. It was a celebration. When you find something that matters to you that was lost, some of you are like, seriously, a pair of sunglasses? Listen, I was poor. They were like 250 bucks. 
The lost, Jesus is saying, this should be a time of celebration. The lost are being found. It's, it's necessary to celebrate this. The time of Jesus was and is a celebration. The second theme, that, uh, the theme of compassion, is overwhelmingly characteristic of Jesus' teachings and actions. He routinely voiced his compassion for crowds. Uh, and and com- compassion was a major way, a major part of the way he engaged people and in the way he spoke. Compassion dominates a great deal of, Jesus's, of the stories of Jesus in the Gospels. His emphasis on mercy, his healings of the sick, his reception of outcasts and sinners, the forgiveness he offered, the beatitudes he talked about when he talked about concern for the poor and the mourning, his attention to detail uh, to individuals, his treatment of women and children, all paint a compassionate and compelling portrait. The foundation of Jesus' gospel is good news expressing compassion. And so with that in mind, celebration and compassion, let's dig into Luke 15. This chapter and its three stories, particularly the last one, the parable of the story of the lost sons, is the most forceful description that we see in Scripture uh, of God seeking sinners and reveling in their return. You see, the truth is, we've all been lost, but God embraces us. When we come to faith in Jesus, we, much like the son who had searched for fulfillment in all of the wrong places, are invited into God's plan for each of us. That's right. I said you're invited into God's plan for you. Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And then verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. Every one of us has been created with a need for an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. Every one of us has a God-sized hole inside of us. And it can only be filled. It's only through Jesus that we are able to experience that relationship with the Father. To fulfill that longing in our soul, we have to come to a point where we decide to ask Jesus to embrace us. So many of you here this morning can remember the time you decided to accept Jesus' embrace. That time where you accepted your need for God. Some of you here today have never had that experience with Jesus. And so, in that way, spiritually, you're still in a condition of lost. To you, I say, Jesus is here, eagerly awaiting your return. But it's not... He's eagerly waiting to have that relationship with each of us, with you. But it's not only a relationship we get with Jesus. Every one of us has a God-given purpose that God intentionally gave us to carry out for specifically this time in history. 
And it's only through Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit that we find that purpose and that we find the equipping power of God to execute it. You see, if the scriptures are accurate, and I believe that they are, God has always known what would happen. He has always known there would be a pandemic in our world. He'd always always known there'd be political unrest. He's always known there'd be this tension, this struggle, this division, this hardship. And into that moment, into his plan for today, he chose you to be here. He chose you in this time of history to be his image bearer, to be the reflection of him in the world. That's how much God thinks of you. Into this nothingness, it seems, he chooses you to be his light into the darkness. Right now, you are not here by mistake. Jesus isn't just offering you a relationship. He offers you a relationship, fullest life, passion, purpose. He is waiting for us to come home and embrace him. The parable of the lost sons highlights for us that every one of us has a home with God. And with, in that invitation to a home, in that place where we can be at home, it's an invitation to recognize our estrangement and our bankruptcy. You, you can see it in both of the sons. You can see it in the son who left and squandered everything. You can see it in the son who stayed and got bitter. And into both those situations, to both of those sons, the father goes to them. He goes to both of them and he welcomes both of them to a party. Jesus is inviting us to return to our true selves, to come to ourselves, uh, to return to God, and to be willing to be embraced by God. And the first step of that, of that conversion, or that reconversion, if you will, is coming to ourselves. God's grace allows us to look at ourselves the way we truly are. Not the facade we feel so desperately to put on for everyone around us. God knows us intimately and he loves us just as we are. Not necessarily how we try to portray ourselves, but just as we really are. He invites that person, that you, to come home. God's grace allows us to to come to ourselves, to, to realize who we are. God wants you to realize who you really are. You are a child of God. You are a child of the Father. And you belong with the Father. We belong with God. Now, maybe this morning you can identify with the squandering son. Maybe you've had years of poor decisions. And you come back and you're like, it's really hard to even think that I could be accepted for that. Or maybe you're like the bitter son who's always done right. And just, and yet it just doesn't seem fair. 
to both of you, to all of us. God the Father comes with a message through Jesus that says, you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. For so many of us, we hear about Christianity and we attach judgment to it. Judgment of what we've experienced from people in the past or judgment of ourselves and what we think people will say about us. We project all of those hurts and those fears and those processes and those rejections and fear of rejection onto it. And, and because of it, we, we, some of us sometimes become so afraid to engage it because of what we think it might be. And I'll be honest, sometimes the church, we've, as, as church, as people, we've done that. We've judged people. We've made, you, we've made people think less of themselves than they are. But our Heavenly Father never does. He calls us. He created us to be His image bearers. And there's nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love that's in Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning... And you've never experienced that. Jesus is waiting. But the more we dig, we continue to dig into the passage, the more truth is revealed. You see, our relationship with God expressed in this parable sets the pattern for dealing with human relationships and estrangements as well. The fact is, just as we've all been lost, we have all lost and can be the embracers. You see, the father went to his sons, embraced them. And when he did that, he set an example for how they should be too. We really can't claim to have, to be, to be fully returned to the father, to be fully in relationship with the father, to fully be home, to really appreciate all of the forgiveness and willingness to embrace that the father displays without then as a result of that, in response to that, offer that to others. Conversion is a process in which God is always welcoming back his erring children. And if God is always welcoming us back in spite of our errors or sin, should we then not be the same as well? Just as God is watching and waiting and welcoming us back, we can do the same. We can be the embracers when we extend forgiveness in an effort of reconciliation. We open the door to this wonderful thing called joy. This story sounds a note of joy that should be evident in in the lives of all of us who are followers of Jesus. Because when the kingdom is present and forgiveness is dispensed, even if there's still evil in the world, joy can, categor- can characterize those of us who recognize what is happening. You see, reconciliation fosters joy. 
Joy is not an optional feature of our faith. And it, it can't be attained by smiling bigger. We don't get more joyous in our lives if we just walk around like this. Or if we sing louder. Or for some of us, if we sing at all. We don't, there's no step like that to just be more, to have more joyous. Joy emerges out of a, an awareness of the mercy and forgiveness of God. And when, it's not happiness. It's not situational. It's a thing that flows out of us because of a gratefulness for what God has, has done for us. And then we have the wonderful opportunity to share that with someone else. The 32nd Psalm is a joyful testimony from the pen of David. It's David's thank, thanking God for his gift of forgiveness. David describes the misery of that he had with unconfessed sin uh, that had come into his life, and then he confesses his wrongdoing, and he talks about the joy that resulted in his life when he confessed his sins. And I'm going to ask you to do something quite strange. Although I did ask you to kind of do it Friday night. I'm going to read this psalm. It's not very long. And as I do, I encourage you to either close your eyes or find a way to let the words and the emotions that David's feeling as he's writing wash over you. And see if you can't understand the process by which David walks through this. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your, son, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and you did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. God, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. You say to me, I will instruct you and teach you in the way I sh- you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse of the mule, which have no understanding but are controlled by the bit and brittle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all who are upright in heart. David starts that psalm in despair. And by the end of it, he's rejoicing with an understanding of the freedom that came from his willingness to be forgiven. Joy is a fruit of being found. When God, when we're found, when we realize Jesus and the truth and the freedom that he brings to us, joy just comes out of us. That's real spiritual, Jason. That's great. But 
Let's talk about forgiveness, really. You see, sometimes forgiveness can feel like a unilateral contract. Like we're doing all the work and the other person gets off. That idea, that refusal to forgive, flows from a desire to right the wrong. We want to make sure, all too often, that we are exonerated and that the other person pays. Ever been there? I'm going to tell you a story that doesn't happen in your house ever. But sometimes in my house, my, my wife and I, we argue. I know that doesn't happen in your house ever. And Joy and I, we've gotten really good at arguing because we've done it a lot. We've had a lot of practice. And for years, my part of the argument, even when we didn't, it wasn't going to go my way, I, I needed her to, ex, to come to a realization to at least see my point. We can't move on till you can admit you see what, my point. Because here's what happens when you see my point. You admit, I'm right. We need to feel exonerated, and the other person has to pay. There's got to be some level of justice. We feel that way when we've been wronged. We don't feel that way quite so often when we're the wronger, when we're the one who's done the wrong. That's when we love mercy. We want justice. But the the irony is that if we really got what we deserve, we'd get justice. But instead of justice, God chose to forgive. And so when we come to that same place, we can make that same choice. And since joy is a fruit of being found... Joy is a gift that we can give to others. Full disclosure, I'm not perfect at this forgiving thing. There have been many times in my life where I've fallen short of God's standard on this. I've held on to the hurt because I felt like I had the right to. When we forgive, we experience peace because where there is no forgiveness, there is always anger. And anger and peace cannot coexist peacefully in the same heart. Now, let me clarify something because it's important. There's a difference. I want to to clarify this specifically in areas of abuse. As a pastor, as your spiritual leader, please do not misunderstand me when I talk about forgiveness. For those of you who have been or are currently in abusive relationships, forgiveness is important, but I am not telling you to go back into the abuse. 
Forgiveness isn't about exposing yourself to be mistreated, especially abusively. Forgiveness is a choice to choose the other person over yourself. Jesus made a choice to subject himself to a level of abuse I hope none of us even come close to experiencing. And he made that choice for each of us. And because of his choice, the errors are paid for. The justice we look for, it's already been granted. It's already been taken care of. The bill is already paid. When we forgive, when we choose this idea of what Jesus did, when we offer forgiveness, when we embrace the one who had been lost, there's this, we give the gift of joy to somebody. And God gives the gift of peace to us. When we forgive others, God gives us peace. We experience peace because where there is no forgiveness, there is anger. And we, we said that when, when, when we extend an olive branch of forgiveness, we open the door to the possibility that the lost one can be found. Oh, that we would be a church. full of individuals, and a church corporately, together, in unity and community. Oh, that we would be a church that embraces the lost out of a gratefulness of having been embraced by God when we were lost. Would you pray with me this morning? Would you bow your heads? and I'm going to ask two questions. Before I pray and offer opportunity, I don't typically do this very often, but feel compelled to do it this morning. If there's anyone here who would say that you're lost and you want to experience the welcoming love of Jesus to come home, would you raise your hand so that I could pray for you? I see your hands. You can put them back down. Thank you. Second question. If there's anyone here and you have a really hard time extending forgiveness and you feel like you need God's help to help you forgive the person who's lost, would you raise your hand so that I could pray for you? You can put it back down. Jesus, you see the hands in this room. You also see the hearts of all of us who aren't really sure how to raise our hand or what that means. First, I want to thank you for always being willing to welcome us home. That you are always embracing us as as you're found. For those who just raised their hand and are just experiencing that for the first time, 
God, I pray that you give them a revelation of peace and of your presence that would shock them. And God, for those in the room who are really struggling to be the embracer. God, help us to have the spirit of the Father who wasn't concerned with his stuff, wasn't concerned with his agenda, but was passionate about those he loved. Help us to be embracers. Help us to be the one who go. Give us the, the, the heart of compassion so that we could be images of you. your name we pray. Amen. We're going to share communion together as a church. And if you're new with us, this is something we do every week. You're welcome to join us. I'm going to really try not to knock off these, knock over these flowers as we do it. There we go. I, I didn't even make it that far. Um, I'm going to invite the elders. What we do each week is we invite you to stand and We will have people at the end of all four of the aisles this morning. You can go to the aisle that's closest to you. Come forward. Receive the communion elements. And as you take them from our elders and our deacons, you could just return to your seats and we will share communion together. We do this every Sunday, but on Easter, it holds a special significance. Because there's not a day that we don't more recognize Jesus' sacrifice for us. And so would you stand and find the road nearest to you and come forward and receive an element and then return to your, your seat?
On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. Scripture tells us he broke it. He blessed it. And he told his disciples that this bread was his body that had been broken for them. It was part of a Passover meal that they would eat traditionally every year. And so when they came, he told them, when you come back to this meal, remember me as you eat it. The body of Jesus, broken for us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. God, even on the cross, you were mindful of the lost, welcoming the one who hung next to you. Jesus, We come to you today. Would you take the bread? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. So this cup is the new covenant between God and man. Sealed by the shedding of blood. Blood being shed was a, was a part of covenant building throughout history and throughout history there had always been an understanding that more blood would need to be shed because the blood that shed covered the stuff in the past but it didn't cover stuff in front of you Jesus stopped that every failure every shortcoming Everything we've ever done that didn't measure up to God's love is covered forever because of the blood of Jesus. So if you're here today and you just don't feel like you're worthy, you're not alone. It's how the the lost son felt that way. Didn't stop the love of the father to love him. There's nothing that can stop the love of Jesus from loving you. You just have to be willing to receive it. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we receive the freedom and the covenant that comes from your blood. God, I pray for those who are just not sure you love them too. Help us all to know, not only do you love us, but you've made us in your image. We are your children. In your name we pray. Would you take the the juice? Would you stand as I offer today's benediction? As Joy stated earlier and during prayer time, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let us stand firm then and never allow ourselves to be burdened by what you set us free from. God, as we go forth today, I pray 
that we would live in the celebration of being found and that we would have the compassion to receive and welcome those who are lost. Be honored by everything we say and do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you go, there's a lot of lilies up here. We'd love for you to take one. And bagels. It's a lilies and bagels uh, post-church experience. So thank you so much for being here. Happy Easter!